Would you open God's Word to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6. Looking at verses 18 through 20, we've been going through this letter and we're almost done. As a matter of fact, there's only one more uh, message left, I feel. That'll be the final uh, greeting that is from verse 21 down through verse 24. But uh, as we move into Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, you'll recall that we're talking about spiritual warfare. That's the context that we can see. But when you go into verse 18, he's going to start talking about prayer. He's been talking about the armor of God, but now he's going to shift and he's going to talk about prayer. But you'll notice that even though he starts a new topic, prayer is so indispensable in terms of gaining the strength of the Lord, being able to withstand and stand against temptation and overcoming evil. You see, soldiers, Christian soldiers, can grow weary and even discouraged during fierce spiritual conflicts. You'll remember in the Old Testament during the days of Moses, that Joshua and the armies of Israel prevailed against a foe that was named Amalek in Exodus 17, 8 through 16, but they only were able to triumph as long as one thing took place. Do you remember what it was? Moses had to keep his hands up. Moses had to lift the rod of God up. And so as long as he was doing that, signifying their absolute and utter dependence upon the Lord, they experienced victory. But what happened, his arms got tired. His arms got weary. And when his arms went down, Amalek started winning. And so they realized, wait a minute, there's something significant whenever Moses has those arms lifted up. So two men, Aaron and Hur, both stood on each side of Moses and they propped his arms up so that they would continue to experience victory. Many scholars through the years have taken that to, to symbolize the importance of our dependence upon the Lord in prayer. You know, whenever we go into this whole section on prayer, I like what Dr. John MacArthur said. He claims that this text, this text on the necessity of prayer is like the crescendo. It's like the crescendo at the end of the great anthem that's been running through the entire letter of Ephesians. You know, do you remember in Ephesians 1 verse 3, where what we heard there was that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so whenever you go to God in prayer, whenever I go to God in prayer, no matter what time of day, no matter where you are, when you bow your heart and your head toward heaven, you know what's happening? You are accessing the resources of heaven. You know, in modern warfare, air supremacy can determine the outcome of a war. For example, I remember when Jody and I were serving as church planters in Alberta, Canada. During that time, there was an outbreak of a war called the Persian Gulf War. Perhaps you remember it. Some of you weren't born, so don't be giving me old man jokes after this is over. <laughs> but I remember that Jody and I would pray for my cousin. My cousin was a Marine fighter pilot. And he, was, he joined thousands of others who would fly in there uh, into uh, Iraq and, and uh, drop bombs. He would go through there on various sorties. As a matter of fact, collectively, totally, 
With all the Allied forces, there were 116,000 sorties into Iraq. They dropped 88,500 tons of bombs, taking out enemy air defense communication networks, weapons plants, aircraft, all those kind of things. But I got to thinking about how, how much of an advantage that any group has whenever they have the support of the air. Air support is incredibly important. As a matter of fact, during the Persian Gulf War, if you'll recall, it was only 42 days long and then it was over. And so I was so thankful that my uh, cousin was able to return home safely. But I think Ephesians chapter six, verses 18 through 20, I think that it trains every disciple in how to call for God, for God's dominating air support, how to access the resources of heaven that are at our defense. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul presents five principles of effective praying in the midst of spiritual conflict. Is it, is it a spiritual battle right now in your life? Well, I want you to stand in honor of God's word and let's read through here. We'll ask him to speak to us as we study on how to pray effectively. It says in Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keeping alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Lord, we are gathered here. Speak to us through your word. Lord, train us we need to know that when we are in a spiritual battle, it's time to seek the Lord. It's time to pray. And so help us to know how do we call in the air support that we have in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, I believe that this passage gives us five maneuvers in prayer. If we want God's resources, if we want his reinforcements in whatever conflict it is. So let's look at them briefly. The first one is persistence. You might could call it perseverance in prayer. I believe it's referred to in verse 18 with these words, praying at all times, that would definitely be persistence. And then with all perseverance, of course that's perseverance. So Jesus said in Luke 18, 1, he's training his disciples. He's training his men. And you remember what he said about prayer? He said that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Sometimes I think we give up. We lose heart. We don't persevere. And so Jesus is trying to tell us, you've got to hang in there. As a matter of fact, whenever he was talking about end times, whenever he was talking about the return of Christ, he said in Luke 21, verses 34 to 36, that we need to stay awake at all times. And how do you stay awake at all times? I think you stay awake at all times through prayer. I think God helped you to have those spiritual eyes open. Paul constantly was praying for Timothy. He says in 2 Timothy 1.3 that he prayed for Timothy night and day. Do you pray for anybody night and day? Paul prayed for Timothy night and day. 
There was a man who wasn't even a Christian yet. He was a soldier. He was a commander, actually, in the military named Cornelius. In Acts chapter 10, verse 2, you know what it says in the Word of God about this man? It said that he prayed continually to God. He prayed continually to God. When was the last time that you prayed to the Lord? Has it been continuous through this past week? You know, the early church in Acts 2, 42, in Acts 6, verse 4, it says that they were devoted to prayer. Sometimes I feel like that's the thing that comes in last. It's only when we get in a real tight spot that then we begin to pray. But not these, not the people in the New Testament. The early church said, no, we're devoted to prayer. No wonder Paul wrote in Romans 12, 12, that we should be constant in prayer. In Colossians 4, 2, he said, we should continue steadfastly in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, he said, we should pray without ceasing. Even Jesus taught two parables about persevering in prayer. The first one was in Luke 11, verses 5 through 13, about a persistent friend. And that persistent friend kept knocking at the door. And that's how we have to keep knocking on heaven's door. But there was also the parable he gave in Luke 18, verses 2 through 8. Not about a persistent friend, but about a persistent widow. I sometimes wonder, how many victories would we be experiencing here at First Baptist Church, were it not for some of those that are in our congregation who are widows and they're on their knees or they're praying, God, please, would you bless the church today? Would you give us victory today? I believe there are unseen prayer warriors in our church that are constantly lifting us up. And that's why we experience victories. Do you remember Daniel? In Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14, what a classic example of persistence and perseverance. He was praying and he had been fasting. And he had been praying and fasting for three weeks. Nothing, nothing. And then suddenly it's like he has a vision of an angel. And the angel said, Daniel, I want you to know from the very first day that you started praying, heaven heard you. I was trying to get to you with the, with the answer. But he said, the king of Persia intercepted me and I had to call Michael, the angel, to come and help me. It was a spiritual battle. In spiritual conflicts, you can't give up. We've got to continue to say, Lord, help me to pray at all times. Help me to pray with all perseverance. I believe there's a second thing though. What is it that persuades you that you need to pray? What is it that persuades you that you need to pray? Do you wait, like I was saying, until you have a health crisis, a financial crisis? Do you wait until there's a national crisis? Or would you say, no, no, I, that's not what I depend on. Let's see what Paul said should be the, the thing that persuades us. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. He says he prays at all times in the spirit. Now, what does he mean praying in the spirit? I believe he's talking about how the Holy Spirit who comes to live within every believer, whenever we trust Christ, the Spirit of God comes to live within. And we've been talking about for a long time now, being filled with God's Spirit, allowing the Spirit of God to control us and to empower us. Well, that's the same thing he does with prayer. 
As a matter of fact, if you were to read in Romans 8, 26 and 27, you would see that the Apostle Paul was, I mean, directed by the Holy Spirit now to write these words down. And what he says is, we don't know how to pray, but guess what? The Holy Spirit is going to help us to intercede according to the will of God. How can we know what God's will is? How can you know what God's plan is? Maybe you're seeking for direction right now and you're saying, I don't know how to know God's will. What is it that the Holy Spirit inspired so that we might know what God's will is? The Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I think the Holy Spirit, as we spend time reading through the Word of God, he uses different, let's say, the recorded prayers of Paul. If you were to go just in Ephesians alone to Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, or chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, you would see how Paul prayed for other people. And I believe the Holy Spirit said, Paul, I like that. I like the way you're praying. My, I've been leading you to do that. So the Holy Spirit says, I want you to write that down. So that people later, let's say in 2023 people living in Columbus, Texas, that we could know how should we pray for our grandchildren? How should we pray for those around us, neighbors and other church members? Well, it's all through the Word of God. Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Philippians 1, Colossians 1. There's so many recorded prayers of Paul that will help your praying to be more than, Lord, just bless us today. Well, that's great to pray, Lord, bless us today. But how about telling him how you would like for him to bless us today. You know, to give more beef and more substance and more content. I believe that's the way the Holy Spirit helps us. He gives us direction in our prayers. But I also believe as we are praying to the Lord in the Spirit, because we're praying in accordance with his direction, he gives a second thing, not just direction. I believe he also gives power, power. You know, I don't know if you've ever spent any time over in Jude. Some of you are saying, Jude, is that a book in the Bible? Yeah, it's right there before Revelation. It's, it's really small, so I, I can understand if you haven't ever noticed it before. But, but it only has one chapter, but it's powerful. You should read that chapter, that verse, uh, that passage sometime in Jude. But in Jude 20, it says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I think happens when we're praying in the Spirit? I believe when we are praying in the Holy Spirit, our faith starts getting stronger. It's like working out at the gym. And it's like the Lord begins to give us incredible strength that's not from ourselves. It's strength that can only come from Him. Maybe that's why we can't say no to temptation is because we're not depending on the power of the Holy Spirit. But you know, if you were to read in Zechariah 12, 10, or in John 16, verses 7 through 15, there's another thing that Holy Spirit does for us. Whenever we're praying in the Spirit, you know what He might do? He might convict us. He might convict us from God, convict us of sin. Listen to what it says in Zechariah, this is Old Testament, Zechariah 12, verse 10. Someday there's going to be a great spiritual awakening among the Jews. And this is talking about that day, but listen to what it says will happen whenever the Holy Spirit has his way. And I will pour out on the house of David a spirit of grace and please, P-L-E-A-S, please for mercy so that they look on me 
whom they have pierced. They shall mourn for him. You know, I think the Lord sometimes when we're praying in the spirit, he'll say, your heart's not right. Your mind's not right. Your priorities aren't right. And so it began to convict us of sin. That's what I think is in, in terms of what does it mean to pray in the spirit? It means I'm going to be in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is going to use the word that he's already inspired and revealed to direct my life. But he's also going to empower me whenever I'm praying in the spirit. I'll begin to sense there's power that I didn't have until I started praying and asking God for his support. But then also, I believe that sometimes when we get in there, the Holy Spirit shines a bright light on our hearts, on our minds. And he begins to say, this isn't right. That shouldn't be in there. This is stopping you from accomplishing all that I've set you apart to accomplish. You know why I believe the devil has access to some people's emotions? It's because we're so busy. We don't have any time to just linger in God's presence, to linger in God's word. And so because we don't have time to be renewed daily in the word and in the spirit, we're not motivated. We're not persuaded to do anything for God. It's like God's just on Sunday morning only. But whenever we're spending time praying in the spirit, things begin to change. But I'll tell you a third thing that also begins to change. I believe that there's also perception. I believe that the devil, once he gets in your life and cuts you off from your resources that are in heaven, you're not praying, you're not asking God for anything, for direction, for power, for victory over sin, you're not asking him for cleansing. Whenever that happens, you know what happens? begins to blur. This Wednesday, I'm going to have eye surgery on my left eye because I have cataract. I asked him, What's, when, when you get a cataract, what caused that? What did I do wrong? He said, no, you're just getting older. I was like, dude, wait a minute. That's not what I wanted to hear. So anyway, I was thinking, well, anyway, that can happen over time spiritually. We can get blurry vision. And so we're not as perceptive as we once were. So what can the Lord use to keep us perceptive? Well, I believe he uses a couple of things. I believe he will make us perceptive by using various properties of prayer. You know, all prayer is not the same. There's various kinds of prayer. And he says, praying at all times in the spirit, get this, with all prayer. What is with all prayer? It means all kinds of prayer. With all kinds of prayer and supplication. So I got to thinking, what kinds of prayer have I ever noticed in the scripture? What kinds have you noticed in the scripture? How about this? Adoration. You ever just praise God? You ever just, I mean, right there in your home, right there in, if you're sitting in the chair at the table or recliner, if you're kneeling by your bed, you just praise God. That's a type of prayer, adoration. Sometimes we need to have lament. You know, the Psalms are full of, of prayers of lamentation where you've got a burden. There's something making you sad. It's feeling so heavy. What do you do with that? Well, David said, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. That's why people go down is because they're not having that prayer of lamentation where they're saying, Lord, this is really weighing heavy on me. I don't think I can carry it much longer. The Lord says, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. All you got to do is come and give it to me. Let me have it. But what about this? Prayers of thanksgiving. When was the last time you said thanks for all the blessings he's given you? I know we can all identify the things that we don't have in our lives, but how many times have we gone back to God and said, you know what, Lord, I've been focusing on what I don't have, but I've been overlooking what I do have. Have you been 
offering up prayers of thanksgiving? What about prayers of petition? Where there's something specific that you're going to pray for in your life, in the life of another person. How about this one? Prayers of deliverance. You know, sometimes people get in a very dark place and only the Lord can reach down there in that dark place and bring them into the light. And so we need to pray for people and say, Lord, please, would you help them? We're in the, they're in that dark place. What about prayers of contrition? where we confess our sins and we're honest. You know what confess means? In the New Testament, it says confess your sins. It just means to agree with God. It means I'm going to say about that sin what God says about that sin. So that's why I say, okay, Lord, forgive me of that sin because that's not something you want me to do. So I think we become perceptive to all these different kinds of properties. For example, intercession. You know, intercession where you pray for other people. That's a very important uh, type of prayer. But I think not only perceptive to the various properties of prayer, but also perceptive to the victorious pinnacle of prayer, to the pinnacle of prayer. Notice what he says in the way he says it in verse 18. To that end, to that end, keep alert. To that end, keep alert. I think sometimes we fall asleep in our prayers because we're thinking, I don't see anything changing. But if we could only read the promises of God, we would see in Mark 13, verses 32 to 37, Mark, and Mark was writing down what uh, Peter had said Jesus was saying. And here's what happened. He said, you know what? Jesus is coming back. And so Jesus said, because I'm coming back, I want you to stay awake. I want you to stay alert. And so I thought about having a big, big banner up here, stay awake, you know, thought that would be, be good so we don't have anybody dozing off. But stay awake, stay alert, you know, the disciples were dozing off, remember? So we stay awake to the triumph that's coming someday. Jesus is going to win. If you want to be on the winning team, you better get on Jesus' side because he wins in the end. But there's another thing, stay alert to the triumph in Christ. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane? In the Garden of Gethsemane when the disciples got so sleepy and Jesus said, don't go to sleep, not now, because temptation is coming, guys. Do you know that in that same chapter of Mark, in Mark chapter 14, you'll see after he said, stay awake, for temptation is coming, Peter, he fell to temptation. He denied Jesus three times. You know, if we fall asleep if we don't stay awake, if we don't stay perceptive in our prayer life, I'm telling you, the enemy will eat our lunch. That's why, number four, we need partners in prayer. Did you catch in verses 18 and 19 how we should be praying for one another? Are you praying for other people in your Sunday school class? Are you praying for others that are on your pew? It says making supplication for all the saints. We're not leaving anybody out. Make supplication for all the saints. But then he also says... And also, I need your prayers. Also for me. Wow. A few weeks ago, I was reading in 2 Samuel 21, verses 15 to 22. And you know, David was a warrior, right? But you know what? David almost lost his life. He got in a battle that was, you know, he was getting older. And so he, he was swinging that sword and the other guy was just more agile. And if some of those mighty men that were around him, if they hadn't have stepped in, he'd have been a goner but they stepped in. You know who he was fighting? Goliath's kinfolk. You know, Goliath had at least uh, four other kinfolk. 
Some people say that's why he picked up the five smooth stones. You know, whatever David he's no, I'll get Goliath with one, but there's four more. I don't know about that part, but all I know is there were four giants. And so you know what they said after he started taking on that second giant and almost died? They said, David, you can't come out with us anymore. They said, no, it's not good. You're the lamp. They said, no, you don't come out to fight anymore. So here's the thing. Don't fight the spiritual battles that are in life alone. None of us can make it alone. That's why we need a church family. You need a Sunday school class that's going to pray for you personally and know who you are. That's why we want you to tell us how we can pray for you. You know, remember uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are gathered in his name. There he wasn't, he's present. So we need to say that. Whenever you go through the book of Acts, they were constantly praying for one another. Acts 1.14, these all with one mind were continually devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 2.42, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.11. He said, you also joining and helping us through your prayers. Do you know what? You are helping others when you pray for them through your prayers because God is at work. Wow. Well, I just wanted to remind you that we need to be doing what they're saying in this one passage that we need to say, Lord, help me have some partners in prayer. Help me share where I'm struggling because it's too heavy for me. The, the battle's too intense for me. I'm going down. So be vulnerable and share it. If not with your Sunday school class, find two or three others that are in the church family and say, pray for me about this. Well, let me close with one last thing. Pleading, pleading in prayer. I never know when my Tennessee accent is going to distort what I'm saying. So it's P-L-E-A-D-I-N-G, pleading. You see, Jesus was the only one I know that was bleeding when he prayed said great sweat, great drops of blood were coming from his skin as he prayed so intently. I don't know many people that are bleeding when they pray, but I certainly have heard people in my lifetime who plead, who plead. Are you serious in praying for those grandkids? Are you serious in praying for your children? Are you serious in praying for others in our community, in our nation, around the world? Sometimes I encourage you to read Romans 9, 1 through 3, Romans 10, 1 through 4. It matches what we see in Ephesians 6, 19 and 20, where he's saying, pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So he's saying, pray for me, please. I can't do it without your prayers. You know, there was a man in Wales named Evan Roberts back in 1904, and uh, he was a coal miner. So he worked in the coal mines, and he kept praying for 13 years, God, Wales needs revival. Wales needs revival. But for 13 years, nothing. And then suddenly it happened. He was speaking to the youth group. 17 youth on October 31st, 1904, trusted Christ, surrendered their lives in brokenness. They came to know the Lord. Well, not long after that, within two months, everywhere Evan Roberts would go, revival just broke out. Within two months, 70,000 became Christians. Within five months, 85,000. Within six months, 100,000. See, what happens whenever we plead for those who don't know Christ? 
I think incredible things. That's why he's saying, plead in prayer for the messengers. He said, pray for me. Pray for others in our congregation. Pray, plead for, in prayer for their mouths to be open. Pray that words may be given to me in opening my mouth, he said. But also pray for their motivation. Plead with God. Lord, please make us bold so we're not timid about Christ, but so we're bold about Christ. Lord, help us to also plead in prayer for the message. When we do have an opportunity, do we share about Jesus or do we talk about something else? Pray for the message. Pray for the movement. You know, it's interesting how he said, I'm an ambassador in chains and I can't see where he's saying, pray that I get out of here. It's uncomfortable. Pray for these chains to fall off my hands and so forth. He doesn't pray that. He's saying, help me be bold in here. Help me to, to be bold. What happens when a local church really gets serious about praying? Well, I found this passage in Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 17. And I thought, that's what happens. That's what happens when prayer is uh, being lifted up for those who are bound. Do you know anybody bound? I believe sin binds people. Peter wasn't bound by sin, but he certainly was in a prison sleeping between two guards. Uh, he was chained and all these different things were happening. He was uh, in this jail cell where there were sentries guarding the door of the prison. But all the time he's in there, you know what the church is doing? They're praying. And it says earnest prayer, earnest prayer, earnest prayer. They're pleading with God. And you know what happened? An angel wakes Peter up, says, stand up. We're getting out of here. <laughs> when he stands up, the chains fall off his hands. That can't happen, but it did happen. So God can do things we can't do. And then he says, I want you to follow me, Peter. So he just starts following him. He walked right past two different sets of guards. An iron gate of the city opened up all by itself. I wonder if Peter's going, is this a dream or is this real? He leads him right to the location where that church was gathered together praying. And I'm just thinking, wow. That's what happens whenever a church is very committed to prayer. Are you committed to prayer? And I think that's where we'll see the battle begin to go, just like when Moses lifted his hands. If we will just keep our, our faces heavenward, if we'll just say, Lord, please, we need you. We need what you can do, not what we can do in our families, at, in our career, at the workplace, you know, in the community, at school, you know, this fall. Wherever we go, the Lord will open doors if we're saying, Lord, we need you. We need your support from the heavens. Would you stand with me? I want to give a, an invitation and give people an opportunity if they would like to trust Christ. They would like to say, I'm not even on the Lord's side. I realize that today. Well, there's forgiveness. That's what the Lord's Supper was all about. But there's also the opportunity for you to say, Lord, you know what? I have been putting prayer way down the list. No matter where you pray, it's just, do you pray? That's the thing. Do you pray? So whatever it is that God's saying to you, just turn to him and turn it all over to him and watch what he will do in the battle. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much that you came into this broken world. You know what a battle it is down here, Lord. You saw it all and you came to help us to experience victory. We couldn't do it in the flesh. We still can't do it. But Lord, you came and you won the victory. And you wanna share your victory with each one of us. It's a gift. And so Lord, help us to really cry out to you as we go through our weeks. 
Help us to remember this call to prayer, to call in the resources of heaven to come and help us in what we're facing down here on this earth. Lord, bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is a ministry of First Baptist Church located at 1700 Milam Street, Columbus, Texas.